1: Welcome to another episode of the TMBA Podcast. It is Thursday morning, depending on where you are. Thank you so much for letting us be in your earphones. Dan, how are you?
0: That's where I like to be, right in the buds. All right, that was very professional. Thank you. Yeah, it's almost like you've done it 400 times. Are we up to 400 yet? (laughs) Not yet, We're, we're getting there. Any ideas for special apps? Happy to hear them. Speaking of ideas, many listeners of this show have requested an old school Dan and Ian get on the phone and talk for 25 minutes episode. Here we are. So here we are. We're going to do that. No problem. Lots of listeners have went over to tropicalmba.com slash subscribe, signed up for our newsletter. Occasionally on the newsletter, we'll send out a question like this, which is, what do you want to hear us talk about on the pod? And so if you don't mind, Ian, I'm going to read some of those emails to you, and we're going to answer some of them today. Cool. Let's do that.
1: There's a question.
0: Everybody shouting out a question. Alright, first email is from Mike reaching into the mailbag here. What's a non-business goal that's useful? He's using the word KPI. Hot take. Do you know what that stands for? Key performance indicator. Got it. So <laughs> KPIs we use in our business to figure out if things are going in the right direction. And so Mike's asking in your personal life, did you use stuff like this? Like books read? You know, Audible badges, so audible.com badges, tapas eaten or not eaten. Does a healthy mind, body, and soul lead to better decisions? If so, then should there be a KPI for that? Keep up the great work. Thanks, Mike. What say you? Good boss, man.
1: Well, I mean, I've got a couple ideas, but what kind of KPIs do you keep in your life?
0: The first thing I thought of was that no one's winning when they're binging on TV and watching movies and sitting on YouTube. If your goal is to grow a successful business, then the opportunity is to develop habits that lead to that. I don't know. One of the things that I notice is different about me than a lot of people that might be in jobs that I hang around with, people that are friends, is that they might do things like play video games, they might watch a lot of TV series. and I just like cut all that stuff out of my life because it doesn't add up. like I'd rather read my Kindle. I'd rather read feedly.com.
1: So do you have like a KPI for how many books you read every month?
0: My answer is no, but I don't really need a goal because I'm in that habit of reading books every day, so.
1: So KPIs in my life, my personal life,
0: By the way, I just want to say we're answering this question not with necessarily healthy minds, bodies, or souls. So (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is a business show. Hell of a goal, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say something funny like, you know, how often does my girlfriend yell at me? Well, it's been like zero times this week, so I must be doing okay. (laughs) But that's kind of a joke. But really, I think that a lot of the things that we track in our businesses, I also track in my personal life, you know? so. And some of that actually just relates to happiness. Like, how happy am I working on this project, you know? And it could be like the house project that I'm working on now, or it could be the business project that I'm working on now. For example, KPI, I guess, that I have in my personal life is I bought this house about a year ago, been working on it, took it down to the studs in a lot of places, completely remodeling it. And my goal when I first bought the place was I'd like to have this completely refinished in one year. And the one-year mark is basically right now, Dan, and I'd say I'm about 70% done. I feel like I missed that goal in a lot of ways. But a couple of things happened too, which was, I actually kind of realized this recently. The other night, me and a couple friends went out to dinner. These are guys that have helped me a lot in building the house and, and doing a lot of the refinishing because I didn't have the experience that they have. And so they came over, donated tons of their time and expertise and tools. And I'm really grateful for that the other night they came over and we were supposed to do work and we ended up just going out to dinner instead. And like, part of me was like anxious at dinner. I was like, ah, like the reason they came over was to like work on the house and like, here we are drinking beers and have a good time at dinner, you know? But then like, I, I started to think about, it, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like how important is it that I really finish this project in a year, you know, versus how important is it that I continue to cultivate these relationships? And so, there's always that compromise, you know, especially in the business too. It's like, well, yeah, we didn't hit the goal. Maybe we didn't hit the KPI, but are we on our way to what that KPI represents?
0: Right. And that's the meta habit is like, can you consistently take action towards your goals? And that's, that's all that counts in business, right? On the house project, like I
1: take action pretty much every other day. I'm doing something like in my downtime, I'm like painting this or I'm, doing this it's all getting me towards my end goal but does it really matter if it doesn't happen in a year no what we'll all remember with this project or what i'll remember and the people that have helped me is that we started it and we finished it and we're happy with the end result not that it took a year and six
0: months hey before i read this week's ad i just want to say thanks for all the feedback This has been an exciting new thing we're doing, and people have been critiquing our ads, they've been critiquing my performance, and let's keep it going. Let's talk about GrowthNinja.com, this week's sponsor. So Growth Ninja creates effective Facebook ad campaigns. But there's only certain kinds of company that are gonna get the most benefit from this kind of campaign. So let me ask you a few questions. First. Do you know the average revenue per lead in your business? Two, do you know the typical conversion rates you achieve on your sales pages? And three, do you understand the value of Facebook advertising? Even better, do you have live campaigns now, but they're not reaching their full potential? If you've answered yes to the above, you might have found a powerful new way to grow your revenue today on the TMBA podcast. And best of all, there's no fixed retainer fees. So you just pay for results and you can choose either a fixed price per lead or to pay on a percentage of revenue for a direct sales campaign. You choose. If that sounds like something that could change your business for the better, go ahead and take a look at GrowthNinja.com, and be sure to mention the TMBA podcast to them. Thanks a lot to growth ninja for sponsoring the show. All right, we got a question from Robert who says, do you need to accept that you will lose your friends when you become an entrepreneur? Hmm.
1: I think yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I just think here's what happens, and we've talked about this many times on this show, is depending on what you're up to in your life, your personal life and your business, you will probably be associating with people that are also interested in these things. So for you, Dan, it might be cycling. For me, it might be auto racing. As it goes, like I'm not really interested in the same thing that I was interested in 20 years ago in a lot of ways, and so those friends have disappeared.
0: There's something more about it, though, in the case of entrepreneurship, because when you listen to podcasts like this, like reading reading blogs, reading books for our work week and how to become rich and millionaire mindset, all this kind of stuff you become converted at a certain point, right? Like your belief system changes. And it's hard not to be annoying when you're in like the first few years of a belief conversion, you know? You're really hungry for resources, for connections, and you express that in order to find people that you can connect with, you know? And I think these beliefs specifically around Personal and financial freedom can be threatening to others, particularly when you start to get momentum a few years later. It can be embarrassing to talk about. There might be some people on the show that have dedicated, let's say, anywhere from a year to half a decade of their life completely dedicated to this idea of financial freedom, of like providing generational wealth for their families, of like personal development journeys, growing a team and a business. And then to go back and like hang out with your old friends so that you used to like go golfing with every weekend, you know, that you can no longer afford that time on the course. For some reason, these conversations can be difficult in certain Kinds of friendships. Now, with my childhood friends that I've been friends with for 20 years, I can go back to them and tell them anything, you know, like, hey, here's what I'm doing. And I'll like laugh it off and we have plenty to connect over. But there there are those sorts of friendships that were defined by the practices or the the place you were in your life. And it's for some reason, it's almost like you converted to a new religion or something, or maybe you married someone that your friends don't like, or you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain sorts of decisions you make. In your life, that I do think they shut the door in a, in a pretty definitive way on friendships. So my answer is yes. That's a long way of saying I agree with you. I think it, the answer is yes. So far, sort of a low emotional tenor to the episode. <laughs> we can pick it up. <laughs> You're going to make many new friends. Very exciting new friends. <laughs> i met so many great friends through entrepreneurship in this show and exciting people who are pumped to hear about your successes. You know, They don't feel threatened by them. All right, next email. Jules, okay, so Jules and Alan wrote emails that are quite similar. So I'm gonna read both of them and I think we can kind of address them both at the end if you're cool with that. Sure. Jules writes, some very nice things about this show and then what I feel I lack though is a base of knowledge on how to start an online business, how to build a website and how to sell online. Would you be able to point me in the direction of any useful resources for those starting out and wanting to educate themselves? Okay, and the next question, a little bit similar. I want to quit my job and travel the world. I want to join a mastermind group, but I don't yet qualify for many of the ones that exist online. There are so many opportunities. I just don't know where to start or how to pull the trigger. If you could start your business over again with your current knowledge and experience, what would you do? Can you outline the step-by-step process? What are the best cost-effective businesses that aspiring entrepreneurs need to consider first? I'd like to ask you, where do I start? Okay, so we have two questions sort of coming at the same idea, where do I start, Mm -hmm. from the different angles. The first angle is, I don't feel like I know where the information is or how to find it. And then the other angle is, well, there's so much information that what I really want is you guys to point me to what you trust, what you think would be the best information. So this is a big question.
1: Okay. I'll start. And I just need to get this out of the way and then we can go on to answering the questions. So let me just start with this. Uh,
0: Okay. All right. That's very negative. You're going to have to describe (laughs) why you're feeling that way.
1: Okay. So I think that these are both good questions, but...
0: But also you could have written these emails. This isn't...
1: Oh, I'm going to tell a story about how I had this exact problem. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. And how I solved it. Yeah. I could have written these emails, but I didn't, but I lived this life. And so, but here's the reason why I say, uh, in 2017 is because in 2006, when I had this problem, not even one hundredth of the information that exists now exists online. So like what I'm talking about here is the information to start an online business is plastered everywhere, all over the internet. In fact, two or three weeks ago, I wrote an article (laughs) on our blog, the TMBA, for free, about how to start an Etsy business tomorrow. And I laid out all the opportunities that I saw in Etsy and how you can potentially start a business
0: tomorrow. So that's the first thing I would say. We have a 10 series blog. It's over five articles on how to start a business with your blog. We have a 10 episode series on how to start a product ties services business. We've have 380 plus episodes, many of which go into detail about a variety of business models. Would it help if there was (laughs) 3,800?
1: We are essentially creating what we wanted and the information that we needed back in 2006, we basically, I, I feel these people's pain. I mean, that's why we created all this information.
0: I would be willing to bet that Alan and Jules, if you'd run the probabilities on it, they're probably smarter than us. So what's not working out here?
1: So being smart doesn't have much to do with I think being successful as an entrepreneur believe it or not wow <laughs> one of the key attributes of an entrepreneur and somebody that's successful starting a business is operating with incomplete information
0: right and in a other certain context you could categorize someone who operates with incomplete information as a doofus
1: you put the car in drive and you start going forward even if you don't can't see the road you don't know where the road goes. But you put one foot in in front of the other. So let me tell my story, Dan. 2000, I don't know, five, somewhere around there, living in a one-bedroom apartment with my good buddy in San Diego. I remember this, like it was yesterday, sitting on the ground, drawing out ideas for Modern Cat Designs, that company that we own together, Dan. (coughs) Drawing out these products that... I thought we're really going to make a difference in the pet space. And eventually we went on to make a couple of those products. But at the time I was drawing these things out and I was asking myself like, okay, I have an idea. How do I execute on this idea? And I just had no idea. So I understand where Jules and Alan are coming from. Like, I just didn't know how to get a product made. I didn't know how to market it online. And a lot of those resources weren't available. And so what did I do? I went and got a job. Working for someone that was making products because that was the clearest path, and I still think it is today. The clearest path to developing your ideas is to go work for someone else that's developing similar ideas.
0: No amount of knowledge is going to make you an entrepreneur. That's the bottom line. It's something that you do. It's like saying, What's the best resource for how to ride a bike? Well, I could take you to a blog post that walks you through this idea of like, well, sit on the seat, put one foot over the other under the pedals, but that's pretty basic stuff, right? And certainly once you're adept at feeling how it feels to ride a bike, you can read some further information that says, well, put your elbows in a little bit. You'll go 5% faster or whatever. But the key thing is, is that you got to learn how to ride a bike.
1: Probably on your own too, by the way
0: if you go work for somebody else, they might toss you on the bike and kick you out the front door and say, balance, or else you're not going to get paid. And that's not a bad way to do it, actually. Yeah. One of the things you're describing here is people have to get uncomfortable acting on limited information or information that they don't have. Like I've had this conversation with entrepreneurs in person, and I can see it frustrate them. And I've been on the other side of this conversation. It's almost like, I know you don't feel like you know enough right now, but you still have to do stuff. Like, you still have to go get an apprenticeship. You still have to go pitch people something. You still have to put up a website in a space you're not super familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to do it. Like, that's the difference between people who start a business and people who don't. It's at once, like, the simplest thing and, and the most complex thing.
1: Here's another thing I think about starting a business and wanting to be an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people, myself included, see this like class of people, you know? And they say like, oh, I wanna be like those people. They have financial freedom, they can travel the world. Let me tell you something. When you get to the other side, it's not, it's not as pretty as you think it might be, you know? There's the same problems, a lot of the same problems that existed at your job still exist when you are an entrepreneur, you know? Like, how do I spend my time effectively outside of work? You know, how do I spend my money? How do I pay the bills? How do I pay the bills? All
0: these things still exist. So this is what we call the business ideas paradox. You ready for it? If you feel like what you're missing is information or a business idea, what you're actually missing is relationships. Because when you meet entrepreneurial people, people in the entrepreneurial space, they don't have a lack of ideas or ways to get information about those ideas. So the question is, is, you know, why is there this strange paradox? Like when you most need a business idea, quote, need a business idea, why don't they exist for you? And then when you have, like Ian has like 25 ideas right now that are just burning a hole in his back pocket that he could say right now, but it's not really about the ideas. It's kind of the point. Like you brought up the cat furniture idea that you were sketching a lot as if it's like this mythical thing. Like it all depended on that one gem of an idea. And if it were a movie, that would be like the inciting incident, right? And we even describe it that way. But the reality is, is you've had a hundred business ideas in that month alone, you know, because you were in a frame of relationships that were entrepreneurial. Now, let's talk about why people don't have those relationships.
1: I'd say this too, before you go on to the relationship part, you need the relationships, but also you need to be adept at solving problems. Well, I'll get into that after you explain the relationships.
0: Yes. Okay. So why don't people have these relationships that create an abundance of entrepreneurial ideas, inspiration, and information? They don't have them for one of two reasons. Let me just put this out there. The first is that they're not effective. Okay. They're not people who can get things done. And in order to become someone that gets things done, you got to know what you want to get done and you got to be resourceful and you got to work hard at it. Okay. It's pretty basic stuff. The second thing is that they ask too much in return for what they're doing. Before they've built up a lot of trust, right? Like that's why people that have gone to Princeton University get really high paying jobs, not because they know something that other people don't know. It's a known secret on Wall Street or these great jobs that when you hire somebody from Princeton, everything that they've learned is garbage. Okay. That's everybody knows that. So why would you hire the person from Princeton? Well, you trust the process that they've been through. Now, if you're quitting your job or you're leaving your career and you want to come over to be an entrepreneur and you don't have any track record, you don't have any Princeton degree, you can't expect people to, to trust you right away. You have to create a track record through regularly doing work. And if you're going to demand a lot of money up front for the sorts of things that you're doing, it's no way to earn trust. Okay? I think this is really hard for people to duplicate this outside of the career construct they've been brought up in. So one of the things that I say to people who are having a hard time getting into the entrepreneurship game is, well, you have to sacrifice a lot. And if entrepreneurship doesn't come naturally to you, you might have to sacrifice more than the person to whom it does come naturally to. So what does that mean? If you challenge yourself with the idea that like, you want to do something, say you want to travel in a foreign country for a year, if your first instinct is to scour the web and look for things to apply to, that's not a very entrepreneurial mindset.
1: Like permission seeking.
0: Permission seeking. Exactly. Like, oh, if I just have the right credential and I apply to this, then that happens. Now, the more entrepreneurial mindset, and by the way, this is a skill. You can learn this. Like, skills can take a while to develop. But for me, it strikes me as an easy thing now. It would not have 10 years ago. But now I would say, oh, yeah, I can cook up a plan to spend a year in a foreign country no problem. I can get people to fund me. I can go work for so-and-so. I can share a home with so-and-so. You know what I mean? I can think of a bunch of ways to hatch a plan, to create a project, to get that done. That's a mindset and a know-how that can be learned in a small business setting because it's the same mindset you have when I'm like, okay, we'll go make a thousand bucks next month. How are you going to do that? No problem. It doesn't matter. I'm going to solve some problems. Exactly. Exactly. Some people just got it too good, right? It's a hard problem to solve at the beginning if you don't have an entrepreneurial mindset.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It's like a, uh, it's like a religion, right? You have a lot of mental undoing, especially if you, maybe you went to an institution and there wasn't a lot of critical thinking going on or maybe you never had the opportunity to go to an institution like that and you didn't have any problems to solve. But, you know, some of the most successful people never went to school, you know? I have a buddy here in Austin. He makes a lot of money, and I don't even think he finished the eighth grade.
0: <laughs> what does school do for you? It's that at a young age, he got good at solving problems. Here's a problem that many of our listeners are trying to solve is, well, how do we get involved in all this cool stuff we hear on the podcast? Well, what do you really think is cool and get into the thick of that problem space, right? The way you're gonna get rewarded as an entrepreneur is by being someone who's recognized as being effective at certain kinds of problem solving. So, you know, go work for an entrepreneur that you admire. If you wanna be like one of these people in Chiang Mai, like just go to Chiang Mai, like solve that problem, get there, figure out how to be valuable to those people. Forget about figuring it out on a blog post, forget about taking a course, like this stuff takes years years. So of action too. I mean, what you're yeah, saying too about yeah. like going to
1: Chiang Mai and like chances are once you get there it's probably not going to be what you want. That's kind of the honest truth about it. It's like a lot of things that I've thought I've wanted and even I've seen people around me get once I get them or once I understand the actual time commitment that it takes to get them, the money involved, the sacrifices involved, like that's not something that I want.
0: Sure, and that's my argument against retirement, you know, like If you're going to work for 50 years for it, get a mortgage and all this stuff, you should try it out for a year just to make sure it's worth the 50-year investment, you know? Same thing with this stuff. I think everybody that's in this position too, and I think probably
1: one of the differences, me in this position, Dan, 10 years ago, my mindset and the reason why some people will fail and some people will succeed is there was no question in my mind that I was going to succeed. Meaning like I didn't know exactly how I was going to succeed. I didn't know how I was going to be my own boss. I didn't know how I was going to make money. But the option of not doing that was like too great. It was like death to me. And it still is like death. It's not built into everybody. But I think if you give yourself... Here's the hack. You do not allow yourself any other option but to succeed. Keep that with you. Keep that as your mindset.
0: Now... Let me challenge you on behalf of our awesome listeners, because we just sounded off with our philosophy, with our grand vision of life, but we didn't answer the question. And the question is, and I want to challenge you to answer it. What can I do right now? What's one thing? Okay, I get it. You guys went on this grand heroic journey. It's a mindset thing, you know, great speech. What can we do though? What's one thing that we can do this week that could get us started?
1: I'm going to have to go back to the 16 hours that I put into that Etsy post. Right. Either you listen to that rant or you read that post or you read somebody else's post, but you have to take action. And that's that's the hard thing about this, Dan. Is like you can't make people take action. I, I spelled out exactly how to start an Etsy business for less than $200. And those people that are listening to this might think like I'm not a product person. I don't think I know what Etsy is. I don't know how Etsy works. These are all objections. And these are all objections that are gonna be overcome by someone. Figure out a way to get through those ob- objections. I think honestly, you know, it's it's hard work. It's hard work personally in terms of your development to get over these mindsets, but that's what
0: I would do. So my advice would be to go get yourself a better job. So entrepreneurship sits on a relative spectrum. It might start at something like, you know, indentured servant unpaid intern. Then you move up to like employee. Then there's freelancer consultant is after that. Then after that, it's like services provider. Then it's productized services. Stop me if I'm getting too wonky here. Then all of a sudden, like there's a line around consultantsville that's like, you know, entrepreneurship fence and you, or small business fence. And you kind of jump it and you're now all of a sudden you're selling products and now you're a business owner. And then maybe your business models start to improve. We're not selling just products anymore. We're selling a platform to people. We're selling subscriptions to people. You know, you keep going up and up and up the business models. And where you're at now is at the very beginning of this journey. That's what I'm hearing. If you don't know even the information. And where your relationships are at are at you've got this job and this career that aren't leading towards entrepreneurshipsville or, or towards wealthyville. And so for me it's all about finding a job that puts you on that trajectory and sometimes these things are a little bit difficult to predict but i would find ways to improve your job and the reality is it's a lot easier if you're at the beginning of the journey to sell yourself to a potential employer or a potential mentor than it is to sell products or services if you don't have that experience so maybe what you need to do is develop a list of businesses industries people that you find fascinating that could be a part of your journey that you're willing to really go out of your way to serve because again there's no reason anybody's going to trust you or pay you at the beginning and go work your buns off for them and what you're going to get in return is the knowledge and relationships that you seek or None of that's going to happen. It's going to be a complete disaster.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think that that that's what's going to happen, Dan. I mean, what I said before, I believe, and if I'm taking your advice, if you think that you have no room for failure, I mean, and we're talking about colossal failure here, like death, you know, not having a job for 10 years for, you know, none of those things are real possibilities here. Like you will get success if you take action. It might not be the kind of success that you dream of in the first year, but year 10, if you keep chipping away at it, I have never, ever met anybody that didn't achieve that kind of success eventually.
0: I'm glad you said that because I was reading an article recently by someone who we're friends of. I don't know if I should mention the name. So I'll just say someone that we respect very much, really bright, tons of potential, and wrote a great article about why she decided to go back and get employed. You know, She was a bit like off the career track for three years maybe, two or three years. And when she came back, there was a couple of things. She got a better job because of the skills that she had learned. She had, quote, learned more in three years as an entrepreneur than she had learned in the entirety of her career. I think she mentioned life. You learn a lot fast. It's a crash course. And she got to keep her side entrepreneurial ventures going while she's going to be employed based on the skill sets that she learned. And then the final part of her writing was do you regret it do you regret your journey your time spent as, as a business owner and she was like heck no of course i don't and i meet a lot of people who've regretted their their careers i can't off the top of my head remember somebody who regretted trying to do their own thing it's one thing when you kind of sign it off to other people you know but when you take it into your own hands Generally, something good's gonna come up. Like, like you said, the downside isn't so far down because you're learning, you're meeting people, you're doing new things, and uh, you can always go back and jump back on the ladder. Yeah, that's right. That job will probably still be there for you. The other thing about staying on that ladder is a lot of times it just falls right the f down, <laughs> and people don't know what to do about it. And the higher you are up on the ladder, the harder you fall, and there's not a listener of this show who can't come up with one example of a person that got blindsided in the middle or the late part of their career and they had counted on the income and the quote skills that they were and the cachet that they had built up. And now there's no place to apply it to earn that income anymore. So, I mean, entrepreneurs are going to take their hits too, but I think at least we have a, a bit more flexibility in terms of where we can apply our efforts and how we can, have a, a lot of upside potential even later into life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if if I look at my uh, trajectory, Dan, one of the things that I think is valuable is that I've figured out a way to earn money pretty much in any situation that I'm in. You know, and I didn't have that ability before when I was sitting on the floor in my apartment. Like, I I didn't. The only way I knew how to get paid was if someone paid me directly. You know, through a job. And so, if if that's all I take away the last ten years is that I've figured out how to make money on my own, I'm. Totally happy with that, even if it isn't a lot of money in the future.
0: It's true. And, and think about that situation of like the ladder falling down with the career person and they didn't develop that entrepreneurial skill, which maybe if you're just starting out like offering free work to some internet business person that you heard about on a podcast might look ridiculous. But imagine the person in mid-career who the jobs for whatever reason are drying up and they're in that. Exact same position of wondering what to do next, except they're just one resume in the big pile of the limited number of jobs, and they're waiting for a callback. Is that the position you want to be in in your career? Thank you for the questions. Thank you to the the newsletter subscribers for their feedback. It's pretty cool to see that. Apologies if we just we're not made for guruship, Ian.
1: <laughs> I know. At one point in the conversation, you're like, "I don't know," and I was like, "Oh, jeez, how are you going to say you don't know?" But <laughs> I understand how I feel. It's how you feel in the things that you've, you've gone through. And like, I don't want to be a guru either, man. I think that that's, I think that that's crazy. But what we can do is just try and share our experiences and the people that we've been around. And that's all I know.
0: Well, share me your experience. What have you been up to the last few months? What's your news update? How do you spend your days? I spend a lot of my days
1: working with you on this podcast and on the uh, DC which is our community, the Dynamite Circle. A lot of people, you know, they say like, what are you guys up to, you know? Because I think from the outside, especially people that are close to me, like I look semi-retired. I spend a lot of time racing cars and working on my house. But honestly, the majority of my mindset goes to the podcast and to the business. Yeah. I think that I could probably do a better job articulating that to people or, or showing people how that's working
0: That's why I asked you about it, because uh, I was at a a DC Gento third Thursday every month, 20 cities worldwide, hanging out with probably about 12 of us there. And I I often get the question, what are you up to, man? And I'm thinking, well, I'm here right now, but I got 100 emails from members I got to get back to. And we've got this new sponsorship program for DCBK, And we just signed the contract with the venue, this new venue we're going to have on the weekend party. We've got you know, 20 events tonight as we speak. And I think we do a poor job of, you know, we've got over a thousand members. We've got events almost every other month. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's...
1: It's a ton of work. And, And I think for the most part, maybe part of our problem is that we see it as boring to people on the outside. I think that we could definitely start to share a little bit more about what we're up to and how we spend our time. You know, somebody asked me the other day, this is a good test for me, a good identity test. And I said, like, what do you do? You know, in the past, it was like, well, I own this product company. And then recently, it's like, well, I'm a professional podcaster. I podcast with you. The majority of my week, and I own this business that helps entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And one of the things that dawned on me, and I think that that's relevant to this conversation that we're having today, is uh, I said, yeah, I help entrepreneurs, I help established entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And I think what's come to my attention through this episode and over the last couple of weeks is part of the reason why we don't focus on beginners and people that haven't kind of taken that first step on their own is because that's a lot of like self-work, you know? I don't think that anybody, including myself, can help most people do that work. It's a mindset shift that has to happen. We just spent half of this episode talking about it. But I want to be like clear on, on like my position in life, I guess, and it's to help people that have already made the decision to become entrepreneurs and change their life through business word word yeah
0: (laughs) i love it man that's cool sometimes like i think on the outside it seems like this is amazing and then i'm describing this person who like wants to be involved like all the stuff that we actually do every day i think i could like see the eyes glaze over you know, like <laughs>
1: like your life sucks,
0: man. Yeah, because I mean, because it's easy to, to hear the podcast and we flew here and then we're having this. But what gets all that stuff done? Read the contract for an hour. And then because if you screw something up, then 25 people's lives are going to go a little bit different. Like that's your job. So it all boils down to being effective and working hard in any career. What that means for us is, you know, I'm on standing call every day. I have a standing call with you every day which is a bit longer than your average five to 10 minute standing call, which is with the team. I spend at least a half an hour in my email inbox every day. I draft and edit blog posts. I draft and edit podcasts. I do a production meeting once a week. I do at least two interviews a week. And I'm just saying it in a droll way. I'm excited about all this work. This is my craft. This is what I do, but this is what we do. We work all, we work all week, you know, there's no surprises here to the established entrepreneurs. Everybody's just like, dude, I already turned off the episode because I have a call. (laughs) I
1: kind of like it because it's old school. So I'll share, I'll share like a little bit more about what we're up to. So like you said, people ask like, what are you guys doing all the time? And if you guys haven't noticed every Tuesday morning, a new blog post comes up and that's something that's new for us. And like the amount of work that that takes for that to happen, I definitely don't need a pat on the back because this is something that we want to do. But like, I would have never imagined how hard that is. So in the past, me and you have kind of like, and mostly you have like written the blog post and they kind of go up randomly. It's like, oh, cool. Dan wrote another blog post. Every Tuesday now, there is a new blog post at the blog. We've started to invest heavily in that infrastructure around that and what it takes to actually get that done because it was, it was, and it is
0: way more work than I ever could have imagined. Let's talk about a mindset thing there too, because, you know, a lot of like, What we're able to do with events and this podcast are are lagging indicators of all this podcast that we've done in the past, you know? And so we're like, hey, it's really important that we take the time to translate the lessons and the stories into writing as well. So people can have access to these ideas. Like your Etsy post is a great example. I can like go back to TMBA archives and like look at every single one of those posts and like I can like imagine where I wrote it and how much I like was burning myself down to do that because a a lot of those things would happen from 6 PM to 11 PM in a cafe because I had, was doing like business stuff during the day. That's one of the struggles for us too is like, these are things that we used to do ourselves. And now like with the podcast is a good example of like getting other people to help about things that you thought that only you could do, you know?
1: And keep in mind too, like, and again, don't need like a special award for this or anything, but like the playbook is far less written for this kind of business than it is a lot of other types of businesses too. So, you know, one of the challenges that we're having is just trying to figure out how to monetize content, you know, how to organize content, how to present it in a way that's compelling to people, and how to get sponsors on board for paying for some of the production of this content. And this is a new business for us too. I mean, when I say new business, we've been doing it for a long time, but, but I certainly wouldn't say for me, Dan, this is like my area of expertise. Like this is very much out of my comfort zone trying to figure out how to monetize a business like this. Like I'm, I've am i self-identified as a product guy in the past or a guy that owns a product business. So learning curve is, is steep for me personally and also the relationships too. So I'd say only in the past two years have we started to really develop relationships with people like our producer, Jane, that can actually help us write content and create podcasts. You know, we're also working with other outside editors that help us to
0: uh, edit some of the posts. No ghostwriters. That's not, I just want to be clear. It's pretty obvious when you read <laughs> our posts, that there's not ghostwriters, but a lot of people be ghostwriting out there. That's an interesting thing. I kind of like this idea though, of the, of like, if we could have somebody facilitate our ideas into posts, you know, it wouldn't have to be like somebody writing and then saying it was us that wrote it, but that's a possibility too. Cause there are a lot of stories that don't make it out for one reason or another. I mean, one of the suggestions I got it's kind of cool that we're having this conversation. Just talking to a community member the other day, and I don't know what the barometer is on people wanting to hear from us. So maybe it's worth publishing this and seeing what people think. I think it might be good if you just do it really, really periodically, or try to make it more valuable to people. Yeah, but I think people assume because we don't talk much about what we do is that we're retired, but. I think if you look at things like for certain things, like we have a team, it's awesome. You know, like Jane's amazing. Jessica's awesome. Kat's awesome. We have people that we talk to every day and and collaborate with. Arison's awesome. And we have a bunch of contractors we work with. But it's hard just to have things like an advertising program appear on your podcast without a lot of work. Or we want to make DCBKK a much better and much more profitable event this year. Like The other thing that
1: we haven't probably shared with people is how you and I, every single week, go back and forth about new business ideas. But why haven't we launched one? I was having a conversation with somebody that I respect, somebody that's super successful online marketer. He was asking me the same question. He said, you know, like, what are you up to? And so I gave him the spiel that we just gave right now, which is like, we're really busy with this. Woe is us. Podcast and all this stuff. And he said, well, yeah, but you know, like, you know, I expect you to do some pretty big stuff. Like when's the next, you know, 25 person company coming around? And I said, the truth is like we explore those ideas like every single day and I'm just not comfortable acting on something until it, like very much aligns with where I want to go and the kind of money that I want to make and et cetera, et cetera. And I think one of the things he said to me, which, which was a little bit of affirmation, but you know, I don't really necessarily agree with it. It's just kind of the situation we're in. He said, you know, I really respect that you just don't jump into these things that you take time to consider. And I think honestly, Dan, that's kind of the point that we're at in our careers right now. We just don't have to jump into anything we don't want to jump into. And that's a super luxurious position to be in. And it's one that I'm very fortunate to have. But on the other hand, you know, I I think you could say, well, you know, you guys are going to wait a long time, five years, 10 years or whatever, until all your money runs out. And then you really have to do something. I don't think that that's the case. We are actively pursuing these ideas, going back and forth with spreadsheets, Google Docs, trying to figure out how to make this happen. So I do think eventually we will have some of these other business is going on.
0: And I look forward to updating everybody when that happens. Well, I have a few thoughts on that. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people like as we built a name for ourselves and as a lot of people got to know us, there's a lot of pressure to be more successful. And people are asking those questions like, we see what you guys have done. You have potential. Why haven't you realized your potential, you know? And there's a bunch of reasons maybe why we didn't. But first off is that we're not geniuses. You know what I mean? Like, ain't no Mark Zuckerberg on this phone call right now. No offense, buddy. But I think we do have a lot of potential. But I just think it's it can be dangerous to operate under that pressure. You know, it's like, and some of the, how I responded to what you were saying is like, it helps to know yourself. I guess I'm not as disappointed by our progress as some people are.
1: <laughs> it's an interesting pressure, you know, because uh, I do feel like we're so public in a, in a lot of respects. I think that I personally maybe put a little bit more pressure on myself than you do, Dan, with this respect. But I think over the, last, over the last year and a half, like I've really maybe justified not acting on these things through basically them not being the perfect opportunities. It's not to say that I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity. What I'm saying, I guess, is I'm trying actively to craft the perfect opportunity. And that takes time. It's not surprising to me that it's taken this long, I guess. And here's the other thing, Dan. I've probably had 25 opportunities since we've closed down that business to start similar businesses to the one that we sold. That could be just as successful and I have chosen not to go down that path. And I think that that's important.
0: We sold it for a reason.
1: Yeah. And I could replicate it tomorrow is what I'm saying. So if I really want to be busy, if I really want to work, you know, 80 hours a week again, if I really want to make that kind of money again, I can certainly do that tomorrow. There's a, there's a reason why I'm not doing it. It's because I don't want to.
0: What do you think is going to happen this year? Personally or financially or in the business? In the business. What's going to happen with the, for the listeners? They're going to get a lot more content. That's what I think.
1: Yeah. They're going to get a lot more content,
0: a lot more information that refuses to give actionable answers on what they can do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's enough. That's enough. All right. This has been horrible. It's been good though. Just a full on one hour BS session. Two more hours of this. We could be the Joe Rogan show. Oh man. Try a new format. I would love that. All right. Appreciate it as always boss man. I'll talk to you. Actually, let's be more accurate. The whole talk to you next Thursday morning thing is a complete ruse. I'll talk to you right after this phone call and then tomorrow morning as well. (laughs) See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.